covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome fans of the 50-yard fight and welcome to a new edition of Inside the Walls podcast, Wednesday Rewind. Yes, it's unique. I'm actually introing the show this week, but we will have two more editions of Inside the Walls podcast this week. Alongside me, of course, I can't do it without myself. I am Jim Renier. Alongside me, 900 miles away, Zach Collin. Hey, how we doing? Rewind, the first edition of one of three separate shows that we are doing now for Inside the Walls. Um, look, we, we realized oh, these are some long episodes, people. Uh, we yeah. could really divvy these things up. And look, there's a lot to talk about just between all this stuff going on. So why not kick things off with the week? leading into the season with talking about last week and all the things and bells and whistles and tidbits that you might've missed over the weekend that we might have to hit on from over the weekend. So rewind it is let's turn it on back, hit that big old rewind button and take a spin back on the tape to what was happening over last Saturday and Sunday. Shall we? We should, but I think we might have to talk about the big elephant in a room that happened before last weekend's games i just mean i hit the rewind button a little farther yeah. back that's all it is it just again uh, it's rewind you it just uses, go a little it, farther back <laughs> a little further you gotta go past the previews and the <laughs> well you know the fbi logo can't record this you know you'd be yes. sued <laughs> for all for you younger guy young kids that's vhs um yeah but yeah what happened basically it dropped the new the news dropped when we dropped our show last week, we are, uh, most of you may know, we record our shows either on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. It's the best chance that me and Zach can get together. This news broke late Wednesday afternoon, early Thursday of a trade between the Albany Empire and the Jacksonville Sharks trading quarterbacks, uh, Warren Smith and Mike Faithful. Uh, both quarterbacks have similarities to the other team's rosters. Uh, Warren Smith has had plenty of experience playing with uh, Darius Prince up there in Albany and also Antoine Grant from the Atlantic City Blackjacks back in the AFL. And Faithful won the 2019 uh, NAL Championship with the Jacksonville Sharks. So familiarity. There's a lot of questions and a lot of rumors of why the trade happened. Those are still, in my opinion, we still can't get a straight answer. And I'm not going to elaborate on rumors to you. If I don't know the answer, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat something that's not because we don't want to give you guys false information. But we do know that uh, the trade was rescinded um, on a Friday right before, of course, the upcoming week's game. And it kind of, you know, blew some feathers around the league uh, to a point where both Warren Smith Jr. and Mike Faithful were not dressed out for the game in Jacksonville Saturday night. Um, this is very rare. Trades happen in every sport, but in the arena game, trades are very rare of this magnitude. Correct. We had a lot of listeners out there and a lot of fans out there wondering, why are you making such a big deal of Warren Smith and Mike Faithful? Well, these are two prominent arena football quarterbacks. Basically, you can say you can relate to the National Football League. It's like the Patriots and the Colts trading Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in their prime. That's that'll be a seismic shift in the league. But it didn't go through. Have no. There's a lot of rumors about what happened, what situations happened, but we just don't. Know, we know that it would if it 
if it did happen, me and Zach would have been here live Thursday or Friday when it was official official with a live podcast telling him how magnitude this was. Um, but it didn't resend it. A lot of questions still out there. So to so you listeners out there, you know as much as we do. Um, because both organizations, the Sharks and the Albany Empire and the NAL have uh, kept this pretty sealed. And again, not going to tell a lot from information that I don't have. I'm not going to be that to individual. Well, these are the facts as I understand them. You have two teams that played each other last week, supposedly looking to do a trade. Mm-hmm. It's rescinded. I don't know about you, but connect the dots to me. And that makes me seem like, hey, if I trade my my star guy, my my starting caliber quarterback who led who led week one for the Empire, someone who's very familiar with Coach Burley's offense, mind mm-hmm. you, someone who won a championship under said coach, someone who could step in and have his number one receiver back in his pocket once again. I don't know about you, but that screams to me. I don't want to give the give the opposition a competitive advantage mm-hmm. going in. Because in arena is there's one thing I've learned talking to QBs and you've heard this too. If you've been in some systems, you can kind of pick it up pretty quickly. You know, it's not it, a lot of packages in arena are pretty similar. Not all of them. I'm not going to say that it's all the same across every team, but it's pretty similar. And especially with Mike faithful mm-hmm. step into a system that he already knows. It wouldn't take that long to just jump in and do it, guys. I mean, Devin Wilson alone, you could throw it up. And then you have, of course, Rob Rod Jones, who himself, as we saw even in this last week's contest, guy can just play all around the place. I mean, I'm that's how I'm reading it. Again, if we want to want to speculate, that's my speculation. I wouldn't trade the quarterback that would probably rip you apart. Me either. The week of a comp of a, of of competition. I'm just saying. I would even look at that and go, mm-hmm. "Yeah, can we like back off for a few days? Oh, if that's cool with you, like, yeah. you know, I, look, you got your starting QB still. We'd be down a quarterback, so you know, you still have that edge. Yeah, that's how I'd play it off. Yeah, but that, that's um, how I play it as. That's that a, that's a strategy that happens for a lot of teams, mm-hmm. and for this situation, Albany. Just imagine Albany, if that trade was official and Faithful was wearing the Sark jersey Saturday night. I'm gonna say it. Sharks won that game. Right. Well, I don't I don't I don't think you see Warren Smith dressing up that night either. You no, know, like that's the thing. Uh, that, that just the trade, the trade specifics and what we know with Warren's situation, he's not right. dressing. It still would have yeah. been Sam Castronova out there. Which way? Which speaking of last week, dude balled out. He won the fan vote for the Inside the Walls Podcast Player of the Week award. Uh, we had over 200 people in our polls, both Facebook and on Twitter. Yep, I'm, it's, em- I emphasize that. Uh, thank you to the people who have, uh, went on the vote. Uh, Sam Castronova took 46 percent of the vote, and we've had a couple of listeners reach out and say, "Is this the first time that a guy won the award without getting the 50 percent mark?" Yeah, this is this only this, this is the second time. Mm-hmm. The That's first right. time was last year between Mason Espinoza and uh, Tommy Grady, where Tommy Grady I think won by like a percent. It was very close. It was like forty-eight to forty-seven. It was really Nick with the other two guys with him. But yes, yeah, Sam Castronova uh, has history with the show. Uh, kind of proved us wrong. Me and you both picked albany to lose to jacksonville because of the quarterback situation yeah and we, he, we've we've given him a a, a, a thorough shredding last yeah. year um, um but, uh, but credit i mean 
I'll be honest with you, like that this year to last is kind of night and day. Um, yeah. that's not the same Sam Castronova that was with the Carolina Cobras last season. That's no. a different man with a lot with arguably, I mean, they were still good weapons over in Carolina, but the dude is uh looks like he's adapting to the game more, it looks like. I mean, fire comfortable scrambling around more. He looked like he had control of what he saw downfield. Didn't really feel like he was. I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal this nickname. Uh, His nickname up in uh, in Albany is Castro Supernova. And he did a super. And and he went supernova in Jacksonville. He he balled out. And if Albany fans are listening to our show today and were wondering at your quarterback situation or issue, you you should be. you, You have no worries. Um, cashing over a step in and win you games. If faithful does come back on the roster for Albany, you have two damn good quarterbacks. And usually when we have two damn good quarterbacks, you have a solid roster and Albany has a solid roster. That game was awesome, but we'll get to that later. Of course, one thing that about, we've got questions about this um, over the last couple of weeks about how trades happen in the L and, how it's based, we get questions like, is it based on salary? Is it based on position by position? Um, we get messages for that. We get questions about that. I'm just going to tell you the answer of it. It's all up to the ownership groups. Correct. And we have this like, oh, we trade your quarterback, you give us quarterback. Not necessarily. It, it depends on the, the two. Or, and it also depends on the player if he does want to go. So if that trade did happen between Jackson and Albany, it would have been a – monumental shift in the landscape of the arena and clearly could have put Jacksonville solidly in the top three, possibly top two and in contention for the win at all. Um, because that's faithful. That's he's done. He did that in 19. Well, of course he was with John Bain as well. And that 19 squad was legit for Jacksonville too. So yes. Yeah. These type of trades are very rare to happen. This one did not happen. So if it does happen again, it's maybe shocker, whatever. But usually you don't see these type of trades. A couple of trades already happened this season between San Antonio and Albany and Jacksonville and San Antonio, but they were they were just player for, you know, I, I want to say complimentary picks because it's draft, uh, for, uh, yeah, complimentary other positions that they may need. Trades happen in leagues happen. Or trades happen in NAL, but they're not quite often like you see in the NBA or Major League Baseball. They're very rare in, in national arena and in, in the indoor game period. Um, but speaking of which, that's all the well, that's all the news that happened before the weekend. Uh, some transactions. Let's get into that. Uh, Let's do it. Some of the uh, some of the transaction news uh, one of the key guys, uh, Trayvon Short used to play for the Carolina Cobras, was released from Carolina. Me and Zach knew right when he got released who will get picked up. Uh, he went back to uh, Albany, which is not a shock. He signed with the Albany Empire and most likely will be in uniform this weekend when the Albany Empire traveled to the Orlando Predators uh, in Amway Arena. So people in Orlando, get your tickets now because it looks like it's filling up pretty fast, uh, which is a good sign. That's good. Also, also Jacksonville signs a quarterback, Damian May. Uh, he is a IFL veteran. He played in Green Bay for a couple of years. Um, they signed him to fill up the role for the backup role for Jacksonville because Warren Smith, of course, was in the, wasn't dressed for the Jacksonville Sharks on Saturday. Still don't know the reason why. We'll still get the information that comes to you. When we get that information, we'll send it out. Um, but we do know that both Faithful and Warren Smith were not dressed for that game against Jacksonville. 
And, of course, a big injury, not really a big injury uh, for the landscape of the league, but a big injury for the Albany Empire as uh, Gruder uh, suffered an injury at the end of the Jacksonville Shark game. Uh, he's been placed on the 30-day um, no, IR uh, for the <laughs> team. And Albany is hoping he'd be back for the May 21st game against the Jacksonville Sharks. Well, get some time at least. I mean, it's funny you say DL because, I mean, it kind of is kind of like a D. He isn't. Yeah, he is a defensive lineman too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I look at the transaction. It says his position. I'm like, oh, I read the wrong initials. I'm an IR. <laughs> nah, but I mean, Magruder, you are losing an all NAL player for a month. So, you know, that is a bit of depth gone. Credit, you are gaining back, at least in linebacking core, an all NAL linebacker and trade. Trayvon Short, so mm-hmm. that's a nice signing to see someone that was trying to actually have USFL aspirations, and you know, I don't know, honestly, I, I'm assuming just was from what I could tell, wasn't a good fit or couldn't fit in with Carolina, so mm-hmm. why not bring him right back into the fray if you have that chance? It's nice to see that familiarity back, and really the Empire could use it. Um, you know, I, I didn't, like this past week when we get into it, I'll be frank, defensively, you know, Still one or too many lapses, uh, especially right. later in the game. But, you know, whatever they can get to help stabilize them on that side of the ball, the better. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, that's the part that we're most concerned about going forward. So, I'll take what I can. I'm up mm-hmm. for people that are familiar with the system, you know, and he gets an opportunity to play. He'll yeah. he'll probably be thrusted in pretty soon. So, that's great to see. Also, I just want to correct myself. Uh, Bruder is a defensive back, not yes. a defensive line. I, mm-hmm. I want to correct myself. So, uh, my apologies to the Albany fans. Are just like you don't even know his position. I yeah. Hey, myself, dude, so. dude, dude had some bruising hits last year out there yeah. in the secondary. Man, that was where he's making the highlights. Guy had oh, some yeah. hits. <laughs> I'll tell you. And he was also one. Remember, he was one of the guys. He was one of the guys that signed on coming up from that up to that uh, tryout. Mm-hmm. Came on, all NAL player. Off of that, signed off the street. Makes his impact. And right he showed out in the championship game last year. Exactly. And, yeah, and. When you make a name yourself in the big time games, you'll come back or you'll get picked up by somebody else. Right. So, yeah, 30, at least it's 30 days. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's nice. Um, you know, of course, there's plenty of time. Obviously, the NAL season, without the way Albany's going, they're still a projected playoff contender anyway. So, might as well, you know, get him ready for the stretch run because yeah. they'll be in that top four. Yeah. That's all you yeah, got to get. Just get the top be- four. And it's not a lot of people. I've already seen a couple of fan bases scream this about, oh, how they're starting. It's a bad way to start. There's six teams in the league, top four make the playoffs. You can have a bad start in the season and still manage your way to navigate yourself to that four seat. So That's right. um, for Shark fans, the San Antonio fans, 0 and 2, long season. Um, San Antonio has 10 more games, Jacksonville has 12 more games. So Jacksonville's schedule gets easier in the second half of the season. Uh, they have a gauntlet to start the first six. So it's going to be intriguing. Uh, we really haven't gotten to what you want to say separation Saturday yet uh, between the top and the bottom. But when we get to the final four weeks of the season, the playoff push, that's when you're going to see teams like Jacksonville, Carolina, Jacksonville, Orlando, San Antonio, and possibly maybe in Albany compete for those final two positions. Um, or three positions, or Columbus, whoever. It's going – I think even though you want to say Albany is 
the fans up there are disappointed about the, the opening game loss, and they think they're better than Carolina. Um, I, I think Carolina's legit, and they proved yeah. it again this week. But when I see fans complain about postseason already, <laughs> we're week two, <laughs> like still got 12 weeks to go. Um, oh yeah, but we have we have so much time. I mean, yeah, I, I I mean I, that's even considering that you know for sharks and cobras fans, you have you have all twelve weeks of action straight mm-hmm. through. There's no no buys or anything. No. You know, I mean, if we're talking like crying out loud, at least gunslingers fans, I'm I feel a little sympathy for you because you have to wait three you have to wait three weeks to even get to hit the field again. So then they go ten you know, straight. Exactly. So you, you have a, you have a three week, you have essentially a month off and then you're like football constantly 10 weeks in a row, you know, somewhere, mostly a road trip to start out of that break, but then you get like June through the end of the regular season to go back to Freeman Coliseum, which, you know, by then keep on promoting it. Hopefully get those crowds back to where they were, mm-hmm. you know, where they at least similar to what they were doing this past weekend. And there might be some more news coming out of San Antonio here in a couple of weeks that will We'll give it to you, fans, when something does break down. Um, but I think San Antonio found something this weekend. And for the San Antonio fans, I think you'll like this show uh, because, yes, we know. We understand. We haven't been really giving you a lot of love. Uh, be prepared. You're going to get some. But we're not going to go to you first. Let's go up to uh, get the breakdowns of this past week in the National Marine League. Three games were in session. This one in Greensboro, where the 1-0 Orlando Predators travel to take on the 1-0 Carolina Cobras in a matchup that was almost predicted by us, correct? We did predict these games. Actually, we both got the Jackson Sharks game wrong. Um, We We, we did get that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you look at this game against Carolina and um, Orlando, we kind of – we talked about last week how – Orlando had to see – was their defense legit enough to slow down the offense of Carolina? That first half, no. It, but when you get I down mean, it, 21 points, it does hurt you. Right. I mean, I you got to – like, here's the thing. They they started out pretty strong for about a quarter and a half. You know, yeah. when you, you hold any team for um, almost the majority of the first half to seven points in arena – you know, that sounds pretty good. Problem is you got to actually put points on the board when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So you can relieve some of that pressure or provide a little more mustard on maybe say a blitz or two, you know, when you're given the chance uh, that didn't happen. There is just a lot of inconsistency with the predators offense right now. Um, mm-hmm. That defense can only hold the floodgates so long and Carolina has got plenty that you can work with. I mean, when you're talking, and I, I got this again as I'm learning this more with the Iron Man on who's like specializing, who's not. Like Ings and Myers are both playing two ways, mind you. So they're dominating on both sides of the ball right now, and they can freely roam yeah. <laughs> as you will. So these guys are these guys are eventually gonna make you are gonna make you suffer, is what happens there, of you course. know. There's not many sacrifices in the special specialist department because these guys are on the field the entire damn time. Yeah. You and, know? You, and, and you don't want to leave out a Lance Evans or a James Summers on top of that. That's bolstering that offensive core when they're mm-hmm. on the field, too. So they have enough people that they can throw in in their offense where 
they might have a possession or two that they 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 you know either struggle couldn't get a sustainable drive maybe turn over downs but you're not going to keep that offense at bay all game long you're going to have to answer them score by score and Orlando just didn't have that ability this time around but I'm looking at the stats right now if you have a quarterback that's throwing three touchdowns and he and he also oh yeah he also did run a couple in too as well it's just and you have receivers, DJ Myers, James Summers, uh, Lance Evans, Kendrick Kings. And, and you just look at the roster and go, they have you, they have guys there that we look at Orlando and go, can they match? Can they match Carolina? Yes, they can go with, you know, Brandon Fuentes or Lonnie Outlaw, but you go four or five players deep, and that's when you see the separation between the two teams. It's the yeah. it. I'm looking right here, right? And also, you got your defense, especially. You've got Nishan Robinson. Like, come on. Um, um, I think, was it was it Trayvon Young? I think the other uh, – Trevante Long, I think his name is. Like – Yes. Like, Carolina, again, this week, proved to me again what we expected they will be this whole offseason. And, unfortunately, Orlando, I still think – they're trying to find themselves, and your next three, next two teams you play, or three teams you play, I feel bad, uh, you know, with Albany, Carolina, and then I think Columbus after that. That's just that's a hard, hard road they are trying to correct some mistakes, but they they got a lot to clean clean up. And I'll tell you one one thing I need to. I mean, obviously, in in arena, quarterback mm-hmm. play is as important as it ever can be in football. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I'm personally, I still think Raheem Cato is your guy, as we saw in this in this contest. But I, my, if Raheem, if you're listening, here's my here's my advice. You know, and this is just me watching you play, or for those that are watching, here's what I would say needs to happen: slow the game down a little bit for you, because there mm-hmm. was a. There is way too many times, and look, bailing out of the pocket, it's an it's a part of the of the QB process. If it, if you yeah. lose, if you don't have the integrity, stay up fully. Yeah, you got to bail out. You got to at least buy some time for yourself. I get it, but there were way too many times where it was easy to say you got this. You get the snap off, and as soon as you got that three step or so drop back, instantly was trying to leave the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, in the, in the NAL in particular, it's traditional style arena. You want to, if you can, primarily stay in that pocket if you're able to. You want to set your feet. You want to be able to throw throw it accurately and read those routes and time them correctly from there. You know, bailing out is only if it's absolutely necessary. If you are starting to feel pressure, felt one too many times Cato does do that. And then, you know, Connor Kagey, when he's been in, it seems like he doesn't read the field well, or at least to me, he doesn't. So mm-hmm. Cato is your person to go with. It's just... I feel like we are not seeing as consistent QB play out of Orlando for what the offense, for what the core receiving core has on the table. You know, we know Darren Clark and Lonnie outlaw can play and can ball, but you Mm got to give these guys opportunities. Lonnie outlaw shouldn't be finishing with 15 yards passing on the night. Mm -hmm. That's insane to think after last year, what he did with Mason, now credit Mason completely different level, but still Lonnie's a big guy. 
you just got to throw it up to him in at least somewhat of his radius. Mm-hmm. And he should be able to come down with that bad boy. Well, the same issues from last week one crept again on Orlando in week two. It just feels like what you mentioned about Cato, just hype run. Uh, that may work in other leagues, but in the early game, you got to sit in that box. Because, slow it down, man. Um, but I look at, I'm looking at their stats right now, and yeah, Lonnie Outlaw. That's you're talking about a receiver that was averaging almost 60 yards a game last year. With uh, of course it was Mason Espinoza, but still 60 yards a game, and that's with Antoine Grant, Deloach, and Desmond Reese in the same roster last year. Right. Um, but I look like you could say that the receiving core, like it was just you know, every guy got the you know chance to get the rock, but you're not going to win in games with receivers having 18 yards and 15 yards and 28 yards in this game. You're not. That's not arena football numbers. That might win you game in another league, but not in the arena. But one thing you can if you look on that team, like usually in the arena game. The quarterback is – you ride and die with your quarterback. It's not like an outdoor game where you can have a, a game manager and win the Super Bowl because your whole team, either defense or special teams, or is there something on your offense that, like a Derrick Henry, for example, can lead you to the uh, championship. In the arena game, you ride and die with your quarterback. And the thing about last week is Jonathan Bain was almost perfect. Like he was in the pocket – he can have picnics. He can have DoorDash delivered to him there while the game <laughs> being played. Um, oh, Carolines has Bo. That's Bo Jangles territory, so I guarantee yeah, you can get some Bo Jangles. What, what do you uh, think? What do you think his DoorDash order is? While he's probably Bo Jangles. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a sponsor. Uh, not a spo- yeah, not a sponsor. But yeah, Bain like sat in pocket, like he read the defense and. And when you have a quarterback like Bain, who's been through the trials and tribulations of the arena game, you can tell that Orlando is a couple, not just a couple steps behind, they might be a half a mile behind because you have two quarterbacks in Orlando that have nowhere near their experience as Bain that are learning the new Ironman game and the arena game at the same time. But you look at their roster in Orlando and you go, yes, they're one and one, but they don't look like a team that's that won a game, even though they won the week one in San Antonio. Uh, what what really got me about this game is just honestly the constant honestly get first downs. Like Orlando was oh, going geez, four and out, yeah. four and out, four and out, like three straight possessions. You 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 give your the deep your deep uh Excuse me. If you get Carolina or anybody another possession in the arena game, by the time you score a touchdown, you'd be down by three scores. Well, and- it's bad, but some of those are backbreaking too because, like, you had a few of them in the first half that were Correct. in deep Carolina territory, and they just shut them out. They just flat out said no. Yeah, and I mean that 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 alone is killer. You you, you arena is notorious for possession game and the what in the possession economy is what I mm-hmm. call it. You cannot lose possessions in this game. Like they are more crucial than than any other version of football. Um, you just have you have to be able to convert, or you can't waste the time that you have spending going down the field. 
I mean, and again, with the defense holding your, at least upwards until the back half of the second quarter, you have mm-hmm. them at seven to nothing. You got to take advantage of that. Like you can't have stops that right. deep like that. If your defense is playing up to snuff like that. So plus with the iron man, you're just tying yourself out even more. I mean, sure. We can shuffle these guys in and out, but some of these people play and they stay in. We've noted, we've noticed that rosters, there are those guys that it's like, you're my guy. You ain't coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to tire some people out eventually. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. how it works. And it's, we don't know. It's still way early in the season. We still don't know what Orlando is. They have a couple individuals that will be reactivated on their roster in the coming weeks that right. will bolster their roster. Um, these individuals are currently either teaching somewhere in Orlando or are teaching somewhere around the United States. Um, they will be back on the roster in a few weeks, and that will bolster their chances of being a more competitive team down the road. But me and, and Zach also said this off screen that, a pivotal game for Orlando may be the rematch against the gunslingers here in a couple of weeks. Is this a determination of who can be the, don't want to say it, basement dweller of the league and the team that will be competing for that four seed um, for the remainder of the season? It could be maybe too prematurely, but that will be a couple of weeks down the road and we'll start to see the identities of these teams. Speaking of San Antonio, let's go to the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. Um, First off, I just want to say this. San Antonio, San Antonio fans, you got my respect. Uh, That was a hard-fought game, ugly game. I think at one point there was like eight straight penalties that were thrown, flags thrown. That really kills the momentum of the game. And that that will get sorted out. But... Just FYI, last Saturday I was in Jacksonville for the Sharks game, and me and Chris Siegfried were in the sideline watching the game on his on the phone. Jacksonville game ended after its overtime, five minutes before the ending of Columbus and San Antonio. We went to overtime. We started at seven. You guys started at eight, and you guys finished five minutes after us. We ended. little slow but from watching the game again this is just me taking my notes and watching the game again i realized that all the penalties and all the issues were not just not like back you know how people say oh it was a lot of penalties in the first half second half it was spread out and just want to say from my sources these refs that were in san antonio were not nal refs they are from the al Rough in the game. Now they're part of the NAL, but they were rest of the AL last year. So they're also going through a learning curve, just like the two teams are. Yeah. My, I mean, Hey, we, uh, we actually had a talk on the side with some, with some folks about a uh, part of it being mm-hmm. the return game, you know, discussion on wins the ball out. If you're going to drop it on the carpet, here's the deal. Hits that sidewall. You know, it's, it's not a bounds marker. If it hits the side. So some of those returns in that game, we're some of us were noticing weren't exactly returns in yeah. the rule set. So yeah, there's learning curves uh, to that. Unfortunately, I mean we're already doing it with Iron Man. We did it with Week One, Week Two. Hey, mm-hmm. Week Two seemed like it was better. I'll give it that. Less penalties yeah. on substitutions. That that was nice. Um, yeah. But that need that needs to be cleaned up. That that game alone. 
Um, I was like, it was ugly I, for both teams. Well, it was it was ugly just because yeah. like you can't. I mean, look, penalty is a part of the game, but you Correct. can't you can't tell me that like that consistently each drive. I'm going to see a yellow rag hit the turf, and I'm going, what in the heck are we stopping the game for again? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's got to be cleaned up now. If they're again, if they're AAL refs, gotta get up to speed. You got some time now because you're in the you're in the area. Get the rules down. You know, they aren't playing until June in the Freeman Coliseum again. So you have a moment to get yourself ready yeah. really that and free and the folks over at the gunslingers have time to readjust for a new home game. Cause uh, for those that didn't hear uh, remember the folks at uh, John Wayne service company gave away essentially all the seats in the stadium and the crowd much better than week one, obviously for mm-hmm. reasons. I hope to see a lot of those people or at least a chunk of them come back sure. in June. Maybe they like the experience. It was a one point game, even yeah. with the penalties, pretty competitive for a few reasons of course yeah. one of them being the new quarterback well new quarterback uh robert kent who is a three-time champion uh cf um cif and al mm-hmm. last year really came in and settled down the san antonio offense i was really impressed how last week san antonio looked like they were always trying to play play, play hurry up without getting their fundamentals correct robert kent came in this week and really slow down the team, and it was competitive from the start to the finish of this game. There wasn't no who had a decisive advantage in this game. It was always a strikeable game from both teams. Santona get a lead, they'll lose a lead, vice versa. But the guy that I think we need to start giving praise to on the show here from San Antonio is uh, Kali Rashad, uh, yes. number five specialist. Uh, the guy showed out again in uh, San Antonio. We, let's just side note, we knew about him in week one, but we didn't know who he was because on the website it just said his name and not his number. And right. on the announcers in the game, never really said the person's the guy's name. Is it they also said number five? And we're like, who like help us? Uh, so we know who it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm yeah, not the- bashing him, but still <laughs> we know who it is. But there's some guys I just want to give a shout out to in this game was uh Rashad. Dude is legit. Um, right. Um, he's one, I think, the best specialist in the game, uh, returner. The guy, every time he touches the ball, he's on the opponent's five-yard line where he's dancing in the end zone. That's what it seems like over the last two weeks. Also, Marcel's Brooks mm-hmm. showed out. Uh, Nico Creamer, or uh, Nico Creamer, I think, or Nico Creamer, another guy who was very solid. Um, and I think, one of the most underrated defensive uh ends in the league um slash i think he played a little bit of fullback i want to say it's cody brooks who is going to be a future guest next week on the inside the walls podcast and we're showing you more love san antonio next week um for turf talk on thursday next thursday there's some guys on this roster now that i've had two weeks to look at now and go i see the potential of this team and coming up friday ladies and gentlemen the final walkthrough will give you my power rankings you might be surprised in the power rankings for you fans of San Antonio, just giving you a little teaser. Um, a couple of you San Antonio fans already know, um, but there's others that I have a little tease. But guys that just impressed me, um, of course, Kent comes in there, sells down the offense, and the offense looked more explosive, more organized. Um, yes, we have issues that we're going to talk about a little later about the ending of the game. and But overall, just based on what I've seen in the last two weeks, I'm making this statement, and I may piss off some people about this, um, 
San Antonio's not the worst team in the league, and the team they lost to got lucky in week one. Um, well, I mean, that's were... just based on the rosters right now because San Antonio, in my opinion, day and night comparison from week one. Well, more organized, better team. And I think, honestly, Zach, did they play up to their competition when uh, Columbus came in, or did Columbus have an off night? I mean, tough to say. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I think some of the game flow definitely affected how this was played. You know, mm-hmm. not certain rules not being followed correctly, the amount of flags, you know, yeah. stop, stop and start type of momentum here. So I bet for that and the fact that it was a much more crowded Freeman Coliseum that probably played into the, into the hands of the gunslingers a bit more. Kent definitely, definitely, uh, and no offense to Javin Kilgo, because he also had a, a decent night, at least at times against the Predators week one. But Kent definitely seemed to be a little more solidified. Obviously, he's a veteran in the sport. Um, definitely showed it on the evening. Uh, and you know, I'm liking to see, I'm liking that now that we have stats and then we have rosters that are being updated. I could follow along. Like, you know, I've been like week one, I was like number five, but I didn't want to talk about it. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't have the names. I wasn't able to put a name to face, but yes, Khalid Rashad, uh, definitely is a star in this league right now. Uh, someone you're going to want to be following in each one of these games. Cause he is going to right now. He's going to be Kent's number one target. At least if we if we're following trends of this week, mm-hmm. guy's going to probably do it. Not to mention, you know, top defender too. Four tackles, one assist out of that deal, a pass defense as well. I mean, guy was all over the place and making the returns. Dude's a special player for the Gunslingers. That's the type of player you want to see in this league. Mm-hmm. Someone that helps you get the highlights for the NAL. So nice to see that. I'm looking forward to seeing him more as we go along down the line. Uh, Marcel Brooks, of course, Nico Kramer definitely had their moments too. Uh, both of them are definitely going to be highlight players for the Gunslingers. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you want to argue which one played up or played down. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say that the gunslingers played up probably. Uh, I think I was actually kind of impressed. I mean, there were one Jim, they were one, two point conversion away from putting the pressure back on Columbus and having them have to go drive down the field, kick a field goal, mind you, which has not been easy this year from what no. we can see <laughs> uh, or, or score now credit. They could have scored, you know, yeah. got forced in Reese, the, the whole nine yard. They have options. We know that, but I'm saying they were a two point conversion away or a stop or possibly a clock stoppage based on what we saw online for maybe yeah. they could have punched this thing in for a touchdown. I mean, they had the ball at the end. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that we got to remember. They were the ones that were in, that were in Columbus territory and the clock just ran out. They just didn't have any time to reestablish themselves for one more play. I have a question for you. Is this is about Columbus? Is the hangover of Mason not being on the roster affecting right now with Darren Daniel? <sighs> Maybe. I I don't know because T- Darren's had time now. I he looked rattled at times, a little discombobulated. I mean, I know he's he's a veteran in, mm-hmm. by sorts in this game. He's been in with the Columbus Lions before. I know it's been a few years, but still. Um, but he did look a little disjointed out there. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of it did play into just some of the rules not being followed correctly from what we were told, as well as just the flags. Like I said, the game was so weird with how the flow was. Like at one point it was like we're watching, like I'm watching it after the fact with after I see like, you know, of course, Albany and Jacksonville and then what I saw Columbus and or with uh, Carolina and Orlando. And, you know, the 
the timing of the game actually was pretty on par with a normal game. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount of times you saw the yellow, yellow flag hit the turf. You thought the thing was going slower or, yeah. you know, it just, it didn't seem like it was that fast, Yeah, but time, I mean, even clock, even uh, clock operator stuff. I know people pointed that out too. Some, some of the first half ones were a little slow on the punch, you know, mm-hmm. to stop the clock. So that might've helped, but I don't know. I, I think, I want to see another week here after the buy, of course, for uh, the Lions to give some time. I think that's that's kind of my gist on this. Yeah, it's um, it's strange, just because Darren Daniel he's not putting up Mason numbers, but the guy still had six touchdowns. What was legs? Like yeah, that, rushing like and passing. He's a little so. more he's a little more mobile. That's what's helping him out. You know. Uh, Excuse me, five touchdowns, but yeah. still take uh take what I see with Rakeem Cato, but mm-hmm. he's still he's a little more patient and wants to throw before well, running. That's based on Cato, his experience because right. he's been whereas Cato wants to run before he throws. Yeah. If that makes any sense to you out there, you know, he, he yeah. looks for the pass before he then bails, whereas Cato looks to bail out of the pocket so he can either help himself pass or mm-hmm. try and run as fast as possible, which again, if you have that <laughs> you have that jack linebacker sitting there, as soon as you get out of the pocket, uh the jack can kind of just coast out with you yeah because so. he's technically spying you the whole time <laughs> exactly time. so, so. <laughs> you know yeah. i'm just it's a little harder to do it with that you well, know <laughs> if you if you just look off of stats from columbus columbus is just doing columbus things honestly fortson's doing fortson's execution it's yeah. execution doing there's the nothing system, that doing the there's system nothing that pops out they go man this is bad this is good it's it's the columbus way for some odd reason this is why i respect gibson um, for Columbus from day one in this league. No matter what you throw at him or no matter what it's on his roster, you're going to have to beat him and play clean. Usually Columbus doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. They're a very disciplined yes. team. But this game was just ugly for both. And I felt that's why I gave you the question, did San Antonio play up to Columbus or did Columbus have a down game? Because I didn't expect – when I watched that game, the replay – I'm watching like this doesn't look like a Jason Gibson team. Yeah. Because of how it how it was just, you know, struggling to get through. And I was like, is this San Antonio back in Columbus in the face? Like, yo, we're yeah, we may be the expansion team, but we're not gonna be a pushover. Or was it just Columbus just going through the you know, walking through? And we've had conversation with Columbus fans. They believe the second opinion that they just walk through it and didn't you know play up to their capability perhaps that's because they're fans <laughs> they, they well, always sign with their team well i mean columbus is a standard of you know they they're one of the winning they're one of the winning teams mm-hmm. in the nal they're expected to be in the playoffs yeah. they're expected to be in that conversation each year um I, i'm still holding that the gunslingers played up i mean keep in mind the gunslingers had held the lead usually by a possession for the majority of this contest yeah. um really they really it was more in the fourth quarter they just let Correct. one possession slip you know that that's what happens you know when yeah. you games like this if you can't break away if you can't get a possession stop with the lead you generally just have to be answering one to one to one ratio so what happened was add no kicking to little kicking that san antonio did eventually the possession game fell fell on them and mm-hmm. that's all that's all she wrote you know also uh, one player that stood out to me for columbus if we have did stars for teams like who stood out to you the most on, the, on each team like 
Rashad for San Antonio, especially for week one and two. Correct. But the guy that we never gave love to from uh, Albany in the last two weeks is uh, Townsend. The boy's been everywhere. He's just you, like uh, Rashad. You mean Columbus, but yes. Yeah. Excuse me. When I said San Antonio, my bad. You said, you said Albany. Albany? And I said, I'm always thinking that. And, you know, I'm now I'm burying myself because I even said it where people are like, what the heck, man? You, you were going to you were going to correct him. And then you said it like the most backwoods way you could have <laughs> the most non-regional friendly way you could hey, have said it. Hey, it's natural, man. It's natural. Oh, but, dude, and Townsend, I'll tell you. Yeah, dude had a solid night. Five catches, 51 yards mm-hmm. of TD. You know, obviously he was all over the place with three tackles himself. Yeah. Him and Forston are really both forces are, are iron men on their own right that are making impacts each week so far. I mean, Forston alone had a slight one up on Townsend with two TDs mm-hmm. and seven more yards. Yeah. One, one two thing, less catches, but hey, impact all over the place. One thing that really got me was uh Desmond Reese wasn't really in the game playing a lot. Um and yeah. he's a he's a weapon. And mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's just like you have it depends on how the coaching strategy is. I don't like Gibson had a game plan, but um, I look at his stats. I'm like, that's not Desmond Reese numbers. I'm not used to seeing those type of numbers from Desmond Reese. And of course, it's that question: Are is the hangover from Mason still there? But I'm looking at Darren Daniels' numbers overall last two weeks. It's not bad. It looks like he's still getting his feel into the game and. It's like how Patriot fans are, you know, trust. We trust Bill Belichick. Columbus fans trust Jason Gibson. He'll get the ship riding in the right direction. Um, but overall, I was very impressed by San Antonio in this game. Uh, losing by one to a Columbus team that basically is a prominent title contender every single year in this league. Um, it just it gave me a point like, you know, th- this organization is going the right direction and it's going to help improve that team. They have two weeks to get ready for their next opponent. Um, I think they're at Carolina, I want to say, um, is their next opponent. Yes, so that's next a big, opponent. That's right. That's a, they go to that's, a big, that's a big test for them, man. It is. And it is. Two <laughs> weeks to prepare. Robert Kent as your QB or what was it, Kilgo? I think a Jav and Kildo. Mm-hmm. Um, San Antonio fan, 0-2. Yeah, you're 0-2, but still massively different. The San Antonio team last this past Saturday would beat the San Antonio team from week one. That's how much yeah. equipment they had. No, I think it. I think it would. Um, and they're, they're even getting better here. Like uh, they, and this actually they did this last week. This last week here. Um, I mean, they're going. They have another kit. They have a new kicker. They're going to be getting in in shape here. Uh, Sebastian uh, Cuenca. So. Mm-hmm. He'll be getting some time, of course, these next two weeks to get adjusted. I mean, that that's a part I think really you'll get, like I said, you'll get how the game played out. It did a lot of two-point conversions. I think if you had a solid kicking game, things might just change. You know, yeah. the, the ball is – like the, that's the thing. You have to have, you know, those extra points do matter in this long – I mean, they lost by one. One or two two-point conversions or a kick, and this could be overtime – or a complete flip, they get their first win, and we get our first up, major upset of the season. And also, there was a, an intriguing moment to end that game. Um, both sides kind of bantered on social media about who was in the right, who's in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, with 11, it was like 10.6 seconds left on the clock. Uh, Columbus blitzed, I broke through the line, got to Robert Kent, and he scrambled 
to a point where he didn't get out of the box, threw it, got flagged for intentional grounding, and the clocks stay the same. Someone asked me, did, did San Antonio call a timeout? No, they didn't, they didn't have timeouts. Why, what's that rule? You don't have timeouts to stop the runoff. Ten seconds runoff happens. Then you have 0.6 seconds left on the clock. They would have ran that. I think it was like a little eight-yard post route to um, – I think I forgot who it was. I want to say it was um, Brooks, and that would end the game. And so San Antonio fans are like, well, we should have that. We should have another play. Uh, there's 0.6 seconds on the clock. Technically, no, because there should have been a 10-second runoff two plays before. That didn't happen because of the quarterback intentional grounding. That's right. if the rules were played by the rules. But then San Antonio did get another shot. And again, they said the time, the clock went too fast. It's like, oh, there's 0.6 seconds on the clock. Well, and they, and there was no winning. It was an ugly night for yeah. officiating. Um, I mean, I, they, that like all beating into a dead horse here, really can't sugarcoat <laughs> it. Was, like it was ugly. Like that's the thing. You know, it, um, that's going to be cleaned up. I suspect, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just our talks with folks in the league or, you know, especially imagine when you're, when the commissioner, you see him going there week one and you know, they, the league wants the gunslingers to be that westward esque expansion, moving yeah. into a different territory, not just be an East coast league. You know, they want this to work. So they want to make sure they have the best product available out there and that they're representing themselves. Right. Um, some growing pains the first two weeks is all is really the expansion, story you're getting away with you expansion know. teams go through that you see in other football leagues expansion teams struggle uh don't always look at the las vegas golden knights and the nhl thinking an expansion team can make it to the uh, stanley cup finals the first year um right. that, that that very rare <laughs> that happens that is really rare <laughs> but what really, really rare. the performance on the field intrigued me it got my attention um but also what's a big win for San Antonio was John Wayne coming in there and uh, getting the chance to get more fans in the stands. That was pretty cool for a big-time sponsor to do that. Apparently, John Wayne uh, is a big-time company in the San Antonio region, so it's good that a company like that is buying into San Antonio. Eventually, the fans will buy in, too. Um, it, this is where, you, for San Antonio fans, before we go to our last game, build on that. Yeah, 0-2, but you have promise, and you showed. You went, you went neck-to-neck with a team. That went to the championship game last year. Um, and you had two weeks to get prepared uh, for a covert team who is basically the best team in the league based on standings right now. So let's go to another one-point game. Uh, I was at this game. Yeah. Home opener of the Jacksonville Sharks, the Albany Empire, 0-1, taking on the 0-1 Jacksonville Sharks. Um, one of these teams will start 0-2 for the first time in their franchise Histories. Man. Jacksonville did one time start one and four, but they also opened that season one and one. That was in the AFL days. Never 0-2. It's the first time that Jacksonville Sharks started 0-2. The Jacksonville Sharks lost in overtime to the Albany Empire 61 and 60 in a very unique game. Wasn't like San Antonio. Really wasn't a lot of slowdowns, but there were a lot of good plays, some great catches. There was a catch in that game. I was expecting to see in the ESPN top 10, it was a deep pass to uh, Devin Wilson. He caught it on his shoulder. And yes. I'm like, so that was an awesome catch. Oh, um, my goodness. And I was like, I hope it gets the top 10, but no, it didn't. 
Well, that but, see, the, see that one felt. This game really felt like there were like haymakers being thrown all both all sides, the yeah. Place. And I like I like the build up. Obviously, the tension with the uh, rescinded trade on mm-hmm. our inner on the inner circles of the league definitely was looming over this one. Um, Sam Castronova getting the start because of well reasons with that said rescinded trade. Uh, you have Malik Henry getting his second one. Came off a really solid start. We felt week one. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I mean, it just felt like it was like top league, top of league, what you want to see in the NAL on the weekends type of play. Like these are two hot, these are two playoff teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, the atmosphere, of course, in the shark tank being the way it is, yep. you know, hot, you know, hostile, but in a good way, in, in an arena way, you know, mm-hmm. something that's a challenge, but makes you thrilled watching it on TV. Um, and there was never a moment of missed action. It was always no. close. There was no obvious who was going to take this thing by the end. You know, I, I went to overtime, but I mean, like, it felt like the game was in reach yeah. all four quarters for the most part. Maybe you could argue the end of the fourth with how Albany didn't really per se put Jacksonville away, but I digress. I mean, it's arena football, folks. Like, it, two possessions, as long as you have a good enough squad, you can flip the script in just a few oh, seconds. Yeah. And it, it was a unique game, but the star of the show was Sam Castronova. Like, oh, yeah. 23 for 35. Um, he had five passing touchdowns and he had a rushing touchdown. The guy played out of his mind against Jacksonville and but won the game for him. But there was also some um, plays in that game with the receivers, that talented receiving core at one point. I was texting a colleague of ours at the game. And I'm like, you had Dangerfield, Antoine Grant, and Darius Prince on the same field right. at the same time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're an arena football fan, you don't understand how lethal that lineup is. It seems like overkill. The way yeah, overkill. Because if you look at those three guys, they were the top – they were in the top five receiving receivers from last year in the league. And they're all on the same roster. Yeah, That's you know, like well, – Well, you look at the stats too – you know, okay, so Grant and Prince, that makes sense. You know, they finished top two. Grant being the specialist, 129 yards right. on his own, a TD. Prince, I mean, dude's going to get TDs. Dude's going to yeah. be up there in yards. You know, being third, you know, and this is just because Iron Man, and I'm just used to because of when I got into this sport, I know this guy being talented as DB, but Dwayne Hollis, this game showed up and had his moments. He was third in receiving yeah. in this one. You know, him and Prince are the Iron Men on the defensive side as well. He showed up and he had some good catches. He had some good moments well, defensively he, as well. He got the uh, the first play that Albany had on offense. He did a drag route right across the middle of the field, and no one covered him. And Sam found him through it, and he ran all the way I think, to the two-yard line to start the game. Next play was an easy touchdown. Yeah, Dwayne Hollis is secretly – you look at that game, especially in week, week one, he did the same thing. Defenders are looking at Dwayne Hollis like you're just DB, you're not a receiver, and he's you know got a couple of touchdowns in his name already as receiving. Yeah, that's. Just, but well, I just mentioned that I mentioned Dangerfield, Grant, and Pierce being on the at the same time on the field and the field at the same time, and Dangerfield only has 12 yards receiving and two catches, and you go, how's that possible? Because when I just mentioned that, you, you would have never thought. Hollis was in the third, top three. Yes, but it was Dan. But it was. Um, but also, I, I'm. I, this is not announced yet by the league. It might be announced when this podcast was released. But 
I think Darius Prince is going to be the Iron Man of the week. The guy, a couple multiple touchdowns receiving, and he had a couple of picks too. That man was everywhere in the game. And one thing I loved about this game is that, like we mentioned earlier in the year, Jacksonville has the better Iron Man roster, and you can tell because that kept Jacksonville in the game because you can't go haymaker after haymaker after haymaker against Albany with that roster. Jacksonville did because they benefited from top performances by a player I said earlier this year from Jacksonville yeah. that no one's like, oh, Jacksonville does have the receiving court. Rob Jones, like he had 900 yards with the New York streets. Yeah, I know a bash in New York streets, but Rob Jones was the main guy in New York with uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Now he's with Jacksonville. Devin Wilson, Solomon, uh, McGee. Jacksonville has a loaded receiving core. One thing I wanted to get at Jacksonville, it's not really at the team itself. It's at Malik Henry. We know you have a rocket arm. You, we know that you can throw the ball deep. Throw it to the check down, man, a couple of times. <laughs> you had a couple guys wide open. You had a couple plays I saw. I saw where my seats are. I saw Rob Jones come across the middle wide open. Uh, Devin Wilson had two guys on, and, and Malik throws it deep. When he could throw to Rob Jones, and Rob Jones got 20, 30 yards to like the five yard line. There was a couple of plays that happened. Malik, I was like, do the check down. I know a lot of people get mad. Like, my per- one of my buddies who was sitting next to me goes, Man, Malik Henry's looking like Rex Grossman, just throwing it oh, deep. God. Throw no, it to the no, down, no, 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 no. I, I even, I, you know, okay. I got Bears fan here, folks. If you you turn in for the yeah, first he's time, he's he's also a Gator fan, by the way. So I mean, he's yeah, getting, he's, don't get me he's wrong. Rex, University of Florida. Get, don't Rex, don't get me wrong. Rex would chuck it up. I'll, I'll, I agree with you on that, but uh, I don't know about that. I mean, there, at least <laughs> at least the guy. I mean, at least there was only one pick. Henry would have had to throw in at least three for me to go. Okay, maybe that's a Rex Roseman uh, mentality yeah, a little what, bit. What? Yeah, good you point. Know, touché, but, touché. But, but but to play into your into your talk with just chucking it. Yeah. I mean, just just look at the receiving numbers like at the long ball <laughs> stats yeah. on the site so Devin Wilson 40 <laughs> Naquan Murray 23 Solomon mm-hmm. 20 Jones 29 is all longs that's some depth four year passes those were all touchdown touchdowns by the way they're just mm-hmm. chucks he's just chucking it up out there and I love highlights like that but look the good arena teams they know too how to cut you a death by a thousand cuts is just as deadly as dropping mm-hmm. a dime from 20 plus yards out on that turf. And you know who was notorious of doing that last season? I got one. I got one. Go. What do you think? I mean, Mespinoza was one of them. Yeah. He didn't, <laughs> he, he did go deep with a grant now, I mean, but mm-hmm. they, he, he tore teams apart with that short five, 10 yard range. That was him. Grady up in Albany last year was the, I'm going to go through the, go for the juggler every time. But Mason was the one that nickel and dimed you down the field. And then when you kind of, probably press coverage that's when he hits you deep with those with grant and outlaw and the loach and and, uh, reese but yeah like again this is malik's second game in the arena game but he also has experience in the indoor game i would have just expected that just throwing more the cut downs because there was a couple of routes throughout the game that they were wide open like albany knew that they're gonna throw deep like there was one possession dude and I really got mad at it and, like, stop throwing to Devin Wilson. You have other receivers. He kept throwing deep balls to Devin Wilson the four plays, and then it was a turnover down. So I'm like, well, Dwayne Hollis knows what's happening. Darius Prince knows what's happening, and they just follow Wilson down in the end zone. 
But Wilson did find his way, like Wilson does, to get his numbers and continue, I think, the longest touchdown streak in Jacksonville Shark history. I don't so, know. what, 28 games? 28 in games in a row that he's mm-hmm. caught a touchdown pass. I think that's – I may I may have to do some research on but I think that's the current record in an NAL, 28 mm-hmm. games in a row. And that's still very freaking impressive. Um, teams are going to find that – they're playing Carolina this week. Carolina's going to figure out they're going to put either um, they're going to either put uh, Naquan Murray on him or they're going to put uh, uh, Joe Powell on him and just say, follow the streak route. That's yeah. the only route that Desmond Devin Williams has been running with Malik Henry. Yeah, and there are some plays that I, I, I think YouTube didn't show or the camera didn't show where he overthrew Wilson and, and Wilson just like, like the, either there's a short, like, like what the heck do like, there's people behind me that are wide open and just chuck it deep. Well, Craig, think, you can't go. You can't go thirteen for thirty yeah. against Carolina or anyone that's up there, I, I, or really against Albany because yeah. you know. We, but I'll admit this. This is another contest that showed as much as I, Prince and Hollis are playing solid Iron Man. Mm-hmm. There's still leaks in that in that Albany defense. Uh, to oh, be yeah. to be frank, and it, it's that's not going to go away for some reason. That's a carryover from last year. Like even even with the empire winning the championship, that was like their weakness was if you could keep up with them and scare them just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, just go with the shots and they and credit to Henry. Yeah. He only cleared 13 passes out of 30, mm-hmm. you know, sure. That's not a great pr- completion percentage whatsoever. He's chucking it up. But hey, but what, 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 me, what, what, what was unique is that in the second half, it wasn't the Jacksonville sharks offense. They kept doing the same offense throughout the whole entire game. It was just yeah. like, Okay, we'll maybe do a little, you know, not really a short route. We'll do you know, like a medium route, but we'll still throw it deep. What changed the game was the first play in the first half, second half, interception. Jackson gets the ball back and goes right down the field and score. And right then and there, that two possession, almost three possession game goes back to one possession. Then that whole third and fourth quarter, it was just jockeying for position because Albany right. will go up by 14, Jackson will come tie, and then Albany could back up by 14 and Jackson will come tie. Jacksonville made some adjustments that I noticed from the first half. Castronova was just getting mobile like heck in the first half, and they couldn't get anywhere. So I could tell by Jacksonville's defense, they were not doing a lot of bull rushing like they were in the first half. They were doing, they were trying to contain him, like making Castronova you want to beat him, had to run up the middle uh, to get either to the Jack or the Mac, who was ever there. Um, but they made adjustments. And what I've noticed with Jackson's defense in the second half, they played a lot more press coverage on the receivers. Mm-hmm. In the first half, they played a lot of, you know, prevent. And just adjustments that are unique. It helped slow down or shake up Albany's offense because Jacksonville erased that 20-some point deficit um, and made it to overtime. What was – one thing I always said about Jacksonville, they're a solid team. They're maybe – a player way of being one of the better teams in the league, but they have that they have to build. I looked at this game and I think both me and you both agreed. The Iron Man rule never really affected this game like it did possibly in San Antonio. It was a the game ran smoother mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. And I felt like that for both sides, both brands, I think that would benefit the game. And it was really a true arena football game. How it, yeah, you get the flags that slowed the game, refused, whatever. But the there was no substitution penalties. There was nothing that really slowed no, down to was... the game to a bitter stop. But it was a good flow. And it was an exciting game. 6,964 people were in attendance in Jacksonville for the out for the game. 
Um, again, fans do leave early, which aggravates me. Um, with 14 point deficit, yeah, with like two minutes left, yeah, still gets about me. The, talk about that overtime. Besides just that, you know, yeah. uh, the overtime. Like I have two. This is this is me as a Sharks fan, ladies and gentlemen. You tie the game. You score that million can runs and then for a touchdown to tie the game right at the point. If you would have gone for two, you would have took the lead with what? Four seconds left on the clock? The chances of something. Well, you know kickers are not going to make kicks this day and age in the NHL right now. Right. So it would have been one hell Mary for the win. Um, I was really mad. So I was like, hey, I'd rather go for two and lose it by going for two in the, the game. For what I like to either die, die by your sword or celebrate victory. And we didn't go for it and we kicked the extra point. And I'm like, okay, I think we had a better shot of going for two. That's like, okay, we win the toss, defer it, and we get the ball second half, score a touchdown, go for two. You and in the arena game, if you go for if you're the second team, you get the ball second, you score a touchdown, you go for two because the next possession is do or die. And I was like, okay. Those are the two things like Jacksonville should go for two and win this game. I don't want to go to overtime. Well, they could feel good going overtime. So, okay, better go for two the second time around in the game. Right. Don't give all the chance to get the ball again. What do they do? They kick a field goal and history happens and we lose the game. Well, <laughs> so that was me, bigger than as a fan. Well, um, well, what really deflated me. So, that I love that we went to OT. Uh, two weeks in a row, we get an overtime again. game. Again, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. You know, an arena that's kind of it doesn't always. It's really kind of rare, rarish in arena. overtime is rare in arena. Exactly. Yeah. So that that was kind. Of, it's a blessing in terms of fun, like getting an extra bit. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. what really sucked for me watching just Jacksonville is like it was poetic. You have Devin Wilson, Moss, Darius Prince to get the game tying to get basically the response touchdown, mm-hmm. only to watch Brandon Bear completely <laughs> yank an extra point like talk about deflating the sales in the most in the worst way possible you know and look that we we've the ball we've talked looks like it something's up with it we don't yeah. know fully but i mean it's obviously that was not what i was expecting <laughs> at the end i'm like at least that's gonna be tied you know and sure enough that was one of the worst extra point kicks i've seen all season so far uh, and it just came at the worst possible time. The 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 field goal try from Roseco mm-hmm. on Albany's side to end regulation was a closer kick than that than that extra point. Just if you didn't watch the game, just go back. I'm telling you, it was as anticlimactic of an ending as you can have. That's one of the most deflating ends to a home for a home crowd I could have seen if I was there. You're preaching to the choir, my friend. You're preaching to the choir. Like, I was like, okay, go for two. And I saw Brandon Bear coming out. I'm like, what are you doing? Albany gets the ball next. They score, they win. Like, what the heck are you doing? Go for two. And like, then Brandon Bear goes, I says, you better make this dang kick. I'm like, all right, okay, let's just lose in double overtime. Better make this dang kick. Donk. Shink left. <laughs> and I was literally like this. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm oh, like, man. Oh, I was like, okay, well. Well, Jim, you got to get prepared to do your show. Uh, trying to be non-biased as possible. Uh, 0-2? Uh, 0-2? Uh, yeah, but you look, time. for 0-2, though, like, they keep showing that they're not going away. Like, Jacksonville's right there. They, mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's just finish the game or find a way to get ahead and stay ahead. You know, I mean, week one alone, like, it felt like there were so many mistakes that the Sharks made as we talked that they could have walked out of Columbus with a victory. Here, honestly, they snuck an O to overtime. Like, 
even talk, even when we were to us chatting during the contest, we're like, yeah, the fact Jackson will get back into this Albany just didn't close out, you know? Yeah. So like they were there at the end, but that's the thing. Like it's, it's a, it's a built up roster. It has the talent. You just got to be able to finish. Yeah. We need execution's got to be there. And next week, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun one. I don't, yeah. it's not going to be easy, but the sharks they're Owen two, but seriously, if you're coming into this league this week and you're like, ah, the Cobras got, got this. I'm like, don't be so sure, man. Like, I, I mean, this, I think it's gonna be a fun game between essentially sister teams is how I look at them. That actually are kind of really in a way. Um, yeah. But speaking of the stream of the game and our lovely announcers in Jacksonville. Oh yes. Um, the, if you were watching the stream, ladies and gentlemen, I did it again later in the next day. The quarterback versus uh, Albany is Sam Castronova. Uh, his name is not Castro. There was multiple times in the North, North to Casanova, by the way. I, I'm not yeah. going to let you leave without that. <laughs> it was there is there. There's literally one part. I forgot what part of the game. He goes, "Well, Castronova's throwing rocks out there," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Are, are we talking about the quarterback or are we talking about Castro you know, slinging it? 1980 Q. <laughs> it was like, whoa, easy. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know what was going on because I was at the game and I'm looking at the chat. And I'm like, what's going on here? Then I'm go replay. I'm like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> like, Castro is the MVP of the NAL. I'm like, oh, oh, we got to work on the names here. Like, um, <laughs> His nickname is Supernova for Castro Supernova. Um, but Castro throwing rocks. I, out there. Look, all I did was I looked down once at that chat during the game and I went, oh wow. This and this they were escalated. getting it from the they were getting it from the shark announcers because they were saying Castro. They weren't saying Sam Castronova, they were just saying right. Castro throwing dimes. Well, like, I got that after the fact because like during during the game i'm like i'm watching four football games so i'm watching yeah. all three nal games and i got the usfl saturday night game up for my yeah. other show that i do the only so, reason I s- <laughs> so i don't have time to have all the audio in there and later on i go back and i'm like oh man no wonder that was such, that was a layup that's like the uh right you are donnie thing from yeah from Orlando. You know, i'm waiting for that next yeah. week i'm waiting to see that comes back Bring it back, tradition. Bring it on um, back. Uh, we're, I'm not really bashing Jacksonville. It's just like, do you hear people saying, oh, uh, Bray is having a great game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His name is Brady. Like, exactly. Yeah. Castro is part of his last name. Castronova is his whole name. Get it right. <laughs> just saying. Castro. Like, he went after me earlier last year for completely whiffing at his name on Twitter <laughs> back in the day. Um, I call him Samsonov. Yeah, nowhere near Castronova. <laughs> so, um, but still, I corrected my mistakes. Can you do that too, Jacksonville? Um, the name is uh, Castronova. Um, but then again, I don't think they'll have a chance to cover an Albany game again. Next time is in Albany, where that's our boy Gaz up there in the Albany Empire game in two on May 21st. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are some good points this week in the NAL, some funny points from both a couple of games. Um, the Castro thing was a hilarious on the chat. I love the NAL community. The small things that make us go, we can make this a better place for our league. But overall, it's a good week of action. Next week, uh, two games. We'll get that into the Friday final walkthrough episode of Inside the Walls. But again, this is Wednesday Rewind. People want to know, what, what's the schedule? Wednesday Rewind is last week's game. 
Turf Talk tomorrow on YouTube is when we get interviews with coaches, players, ownership, and whatnot. This week's guest is Coach Rezanalo of the Carolina Cobras and quarterback Jonathan Bain for the Cobras as well for tomorrow's show. And on Friday, we'll break down week three action of the National Arena League. But we're going to switch it up a little bit. Remember one thing, Perk. Oh, you know, you know, you know. Don't be a jack out of the box, ladies and gentlemen. See you tomorrow.